Welcome to the Community HealthCast, sponsored by the Queen's Community Health Board. Community partnerships and a voice for a healthier future. My name is Elizabeth Bailey, and I'm the coordinator for the Queen's Community Health Board. I've been in that role for a couple years now, and I love working with these volunteers to help make everyone in Queen's healthier in their communities. I'll give a short introduction to our topic for today and then introduce our two guests. In 2019, cannabis consumption became legal in Canada. At that time, the Queen's Community Health Board organized a forum for members of the public and those people who work in organizations concerned about consumption. Both the provincial and federal government came out with information and clarity around the subject. The health board members started to hear from community members and uh, also in the media that the consumption of cannabis and nicotine through vaping were rising up sharply, and especially through the youth population. And this vaping had caused some major health concerns. So we were concerned, people in the community were concerned. There was a lot of confusion around vaping uh, and what the harms might be or whether it was harmful at all. Some people thought that it wasn't. Uh, so even though that this subject hadn't been flagged as a priority in our health plan, we, the board members, felt that it was their responsibility to respond to the concerns and questions around this issue. Now, at the same time, our youth member, Chelsea Thistle, was part of an anti-vaping club at Liverpool Regional High School, and she and the other students were preparing a presentation about this very topic. Great timing for us. We decided to hold a vaping education session at Queen's Place for the public, and we'll be talking a little bit more about that in an upcoming podcast episode. But for now, I would like to welcome Chelsea and another member of the Anti-Vaping Committee, Tala Corkum. Uh, welcome, Chelsea. Welcome, Tala. Hello. It's great to have you guys. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Can you uh, start by telling us a little bit about how the Anti-Vaping Club came about? Uh, Chelsea, why don't you start? Vaping is the new smoking cessation tool, mostly used by young adults and teens. In basic terms, it's a device that you put nicotine juice into, and it heats up when you push a button and you inhale and blow out the smoke, similar to a cigarette, except more electronic. Oh, okay. So is that what an e-cigarette is? Because that always confused me. Yeah, kind of. It's similar to that. And what are, what are some of the other ways that you can inhale that juice? Um, well, there's different types of vapes, like you got Nord and Boxmod, and they're all essentially do the same thing. Um, any of these tools, for a lack of like a better description, create the vapor to inhale. They come in really cool forms. Like Some look like a USB flash drive, and others look kind of like a necklace pendant. Um, the juices that create the vapor come in different fruit flavors that hide the nicotine taste and the smell. So how did you get involved in the anti-vaping club at school? Well, I noticed that a lot, of, a lot of kids at my high school had vapes, and I figured they probably didn't know the harms of the products they were using. So the idea for the anti-vaping club just jumped into my mind when um, the student council got an email, which Tala and I are both a part of, um, from the school board. Um, the South Shore Region for Education was willing to award us $500 for an anti-vaping initiative. 
I thought it was really related to public wellness and I mentioned it one night at a board meeting. I got a really great reaction from the board members and I kind of just took off from there. It took a little bit to get the ball rolling, but I eventually just made a subcommittee off of the student council members consisting of myself, Tala Corkum, Wesley Martin, and Dennis Engine. And we were supervised by one of the student council supervisors, Libby Broadbent. I know I was in that meeting when you first brought it up and everybody was so excited that we could work with you around uh, vaping. Um, So Tala, let's hear a little bit from you. Can you tell me how your group decided to approach that subject? Okay. For the video, we interviewed students, both those who vaped and those who didn't, to see their thoughts on the matter. We also plan to have a speaker come to inform students on the subject of vaping and present our video along with their presentation. Sadly, none of this was able to happen, although it was lovely to be able to get our voices out when speaking at the community educational session for people who to see the students' view of the situation. So when did you notice that vaping was becoming a thing at school? I found vaping really became a thing, I'd say, in our grade 10 year. I personally didn't notice a problem until this year. When you go into the bathroom and you run into a cloud of fruit-smelling smoke, you kind of start to think that things are getting a little bit out of hand. I also noticed there was a larger crowd of kids at the smoking area than in past years. Well, that does sound like a problem, but why were you offered that $500 from the school board? The teacher advisor that runs student council received a forwarded email from Zach Churchill, uh, the Minister of Education and Early Childhood Education in Nova Scotia, stating that he wanted to raise awareness on the subject. So he was offering schools that were willing $500 to fund a campaign or project to raise awareness of the harmfulness of vaping. Oh, excellent. So, well, what did you decide to do with the money you were given? We decided that we would like to take two different routes to do as much as we could. We plan to use the video production materials already at LRHS to direct a short film about what students think versus what they should know. And since the video was cost-free, we decided that we'd also like to try to find a guest speaker and hold an assembly in which we would show our video and hear from a guest speaker. Sadly, we didn't get the opportunity to find a guest speaker before schools closed. Okay. Yeah, that was a shame. Uh, So, but while you were still working, what did your group do to draw attention to vaping? Um, Our group just kind of made it known that we were the anti-vaping committee. In high school, kids already know most of the risks of partaking in vaping as it's similar to smoking cigarettes. We knew to participate as a choice and we didn't want to be too pushy or judgmental when it came to it. Okay, well, let me ask you guys, why do you think that teenagers start vaping? What's what's the attraction there? Well, I think it's because it's cool and new, so everyone wants to take part and try it. When you're in a big group and every one of your friends is doing it, you don't want to be the only one that's left out. It's also the nicotine high you get when you do it. It starts a lot faster and lasts a lot longer than smoking a cigarette. You also don't get the after smell, so you can hide it a lot better. Personally, as someone who's friends and was friends with those people who started when the fad really began, at least when I really became aware of it, um, it started as a way to fit in with the older kids who were already doing it, and it slowly turned into an addiction. Over the years, it's the same cycle. Young kids see older kids doing it and want to fit in and be cool, which I imagine many will sadly fall victim to the addiction as well. It's what young people like to think the harmless buzz 
of a head rush. They say they like the dizzy feeling they get from inhaling high amounts of vapor. It's like a high they keep chasing by increasing the nicotine when they no longer get it on the amount they were smoking. And that's how the addiction really sets in. So do you guys feel that teenagers were well informed about vaping? Because from what I read, they weren't really. And a large number didn't really realize that the juice that goes in the vape contained as much nicotine as it does. I don't think teenagers are are as informed as they might think they are. I hear from many students the fact that they have heard, but the question boils down to, is it from a reliable source? Considering the amount of news that is pushed at us every day through social media, I definitely think that there is a lot more room for improvement on the conversation of students vaping. I also believe it starts earlier than we would like to think. Even grade five kids are being exposed to things with no knowledge. I think that it would be nice to bring light and inform kids of the risk regularly through their school experience. Before this club we started, there was really no information or talk about it other than the few adults saying it's bad. Sometimes they didn't even know why. So how do teenagers get vaping products? Because I was under the impression that they were illegal to buy unless you were 19. Um, usually it's older siblings or friends. That's the most common way to get a hold of the vaping juices and the actual like vapes. Um, sometimes kids' parents will actually buy them for them. Um, it's really the same way that they would get a hold of liquor or cigarettes. Well, I guess that makes sense. So, well, what do you suggest can be done to encourage youth not to vape? I think the only way to stop youth vaping is to continue to educate them on the risks and encourage them to make their own individual choices. Until it becomes uncool, it'll be a very hard task. Some of the facts that youth vaping in Nova Scotia increased 68% since 2014. Again, in Nova Scotia, we know that almost 40% of students have tried vaping. Nova Scotia is one of, has one of the highest numbers in Canada, and Queen's County scores even higher. In 2019, the media started to report that youth were admitted to the hospital with severe lung disease brought on by vaping. In the USA, there were 64 reported deaths. Luckily, none in Canada. In April of this year, Nova Scotia banned most flavored juice products. Apparently this year, the number of youths that have been admitted to our hospitals seems to have significantly reduced. Is it too early to know if this is because of the fact that there's been a lot more education and if this trend will hold? Chelsea, Tala, I want to thank you both so much for your time and for your effort in the past months educating other youth about vaping. I hope that your video is going to be used in the next school year. Um, after hearing from your fellow students, that might help everyone get better informed. And I also wanted to thank you again for the presentation that you gave at our vaping information session in March. Unfortunately, that happened right before everything closed down. And so maybe the attendance was a little modest because people were already staying home. But I know that the people who came enjoyed your presentation so much. It was really great to hear from actual teenagers about what's happening with teenagers. Way more interesting than hearing a bunch of boring adults talk. For more information about vaping, visit novascotia.ca slash vaping. Be sure to check out the additional resources at the bottom of the page including Vaping and Nova Scotia Youth from the Lung Association and talking with your teen about vaping from the Government of Canada.
Next week on the Community HealthCast, we'll be speaking with Kelly Goody from Mental Health and Addictions of Nova Scotia Health Authority. She'll be sharing some hard science and interesting facts about vaping with our audience. Be sure to tune in and join the conversation.